The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, Pharrell, back on uh, Coast to Coast on a pain-free Friday. We bring Mafia in now for his incredible insight into the world of MMA, UFC, another big fight night coming up from Vegas tomorrow night. And then I believe after that, am I wrong, Mafia, that they uh, take off for Fight Island after this card in Sin City? Is that about right? Yeah, they go to Abu Dhabi for, I think, five weeks in a row where we got cards all through October. So it's going to be a big month here. And uh, we got this one, like you said, Woodley versus Covington tomorrow. It's in Vegas, but it's early. We got 8 p.m. start for the main card tomorrow. It's a loaded card, six fights on it. So it's going to be very interesting on ESPN Plus for all of you who have it. All right. So uh, let me ask you, and I know we've gone through this earlier in the week, but for fans that missed the show, I want to refresh the button and ask you about uh, the whole background and their and their hatred toward one another. Covington and Woodley right. absolutely hate each other's guts. It's legit. They despise one another uh that generally leads to uh nice warfare where i come from it does you know as long as they you know don't get too out of control that's always something that's dangerous when you really hate a guy you really want to hurt him sometimes it gets guys out of their fight and doesn't let them fight the way they should they maybe go a little more wild instead of being cautious and uh, stepping back and staying there in their strategy so that's something that's always dangerous hating a guy that much but this goes back a number of years you know we haven't had the details on it forever all we knew was that you know, Covington pretty much hates everybody that ever trained at ATT. And Woodley was one of those guys years ago. He's moved on since then. But apparently we found out, you know, this today, ESPN story about the backstory where Covington actually went into a little bit saying that a couple of years ago, like five years ago, I believe it was, he was brought in to be part of Woodley's camp for his training for one of his fights. And he thought it was going to be something where they're like, you know, they get to know each other, where maybe get some tips from something where they develop a relationship out of. And he said it was very cold. It was basically like, you know, he was just there to be a punching bag for Woodley and he wasn't having it. So he was going to give him his all and show him that he was there to be, you know, reckoned with and a real force in the division in the coming years. And Woodley didn't like it. And, eventually, you know, it wasn't like they hung out afterwards after training and just, like, drop him off at his hotel, like, see you later, come to the gym tomorrow. Like, there was no relationship whatsoever. So he took, you know, umbrage with that. He wasn't happy about it. And it's lasted this bad blood for a couple of years now. So I heard that – I read that as well, that he uh, he said that when they trained, uh, he was supposed to basically be his B in the octagon mm-hmm. and just let him do whatever he wanted to him. And he said that left a terrible taste in his mouth. Yeah, he said that's what they were expecting of him, that he was just going to be there, take the shots, just 
you know, let Woodley do whatever he wanted to work his training. And that's not what he thought. You know, he thought, hey, I, I'm here to get better too. I'm here to, to show my skills and I'm here, you know, to kind of give you a challenge. He didn't want to just be there to just take the punch. He said, you know, if you want to get better, you're going to train against the best. So I'm going to give you my best. I'm not just going to take your shots and eat them. So we know that Masvidal, like, helped train Woodley for this fight. And mm-hmm. everybody's trying to sell us that he's better uh, and he's ready and he's and he's tough like he used to be. But that's the proverbial twist. He used to be great. And then he got all involved in all this side nonsense, uh, doing TV and, and all this other uh, TMZ stuff. So he just doesn't look like the fighter that he was. And he has not looked good at all. Meanwhile, Covington has been beating people's asses. How can you not take Covington in this fight? I know I am. And the books are obviously favoring him majorly, too. FanDuel has him right now. Last I saw a minus 380 favorite. I'm rolling with him. I think uh, Woodley, you know, obviously was a guy who was great in the division. It's not just the outside stuff that's really distracting me there. He's had a lot of injuries, a lot of surgeries. And Father Time is undefeated, like you said. Woodley's 38 now. He's up there. That's, you know, late for a fighter. Certain guys, certain wrestlers can get away with it. They can fight into their 40s and be okay. It hasn't worked out well for him with all the injuries that he's had. So I'm rolling with Cummington, a minus 385. Both these guys are former Division One wrestlers. Both those guys, you know, are good on the ground, so I think it might be something where they stay on the feet to try to show each other up more. And if you want to get better odds, they're not expecting this to go all the way. They're saying, uh, we'll go the distance, actually. Yes, minus 166. No, plus 124. How the fight will end? Points, minus 195. That's the way I'm going, is I'm going points, because even though they kind of want you to go with the KOTKO, with the Super Boost, at plus 290, I'm not buying that. Four out of the five losses for Woodley are by decision. Only time he's been finished was eight years ago. Covington, three of his last five fights. All got to decision, so I think this goes the distance, and you get Covington at five points at minus 145, much better odds if you want. All right, uh, we welcome in all of our radio affiliates on Sports Grid Radio. Get the app. It's free. You'll love it. You get every Sports Grid show on both the radio side, TV side, all on the Sports Grid Radio app. And then uh, go to sportsgridradio.com for everything about Sports Grid Radio overnights for all events, sports rage, bagels and bad beats. You can watch our YouTube page. You can watch us do the shows. Just search Sports Grid Radio. We're also on Mightier 1090 in San Diego and all of Southern California. All right, Mafia, let's look at the rest of the card here. There's some other decent fights. Who do you like? Yeah, we'll go through quickly. Cowboy Stroni, as we mentioned earlier, weeks on this fight against Nico Price. Of course, it's hard to bet on Cowboy in a lot of chances. Lost four in a row, knocked out in three of those four. But I think this is a different situation because if you look at his losses, I mean, the guy's been around forever. The four straight losses have come against Anthony Pettis, Conor McGregor, Justin Gatchy, and Tony Ferguson. All guys who have had the belt. So it's not like he's losing to guys who are just, you know, run-the-mill run guys here. He's losing to legit guys. Nico Price, four and four in his last eight, alternating wins and losses. His last five. Uh, in his last five fights, he's lost to Vicente Luque twice, Jeff Neal, and Abdul Razak Alassane. I don't even know who that is. So if you look at the losses, the losses by Cowboy are a lot more legit. So I'm thinking this one is in Cowboy's favor. He's a you know, slight underdog of plus 130. More importantly, if you want to play the safe route, go by how the fight will end. How it will end is KOTKO. Three of the four losses for Cowboy, KOTKO. All the last six fights for Price, whether he won or lost, KOTKO. And then the last fight we're going to give you today, we might have more on the site tomorrow, but Ryan Spawn versus Johnny Walker. I'm going to go with Spawn here. I think he's going to grind this out, kind of slow it down for Walker, get him in his cage, get him in the clinch, try to take him down. He has a lot of submission wins, so that might be a sleeper way to win it there. But I'm going with Spawn over Walker. All right, Johnny Walker, black or blue. Anyway, I hope they're black and blue by the time the night's over. We'll do all the big October fights on Monday on Coast to Coast. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn, and most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, for all back on uh, Coast to Coast, we bring in our NFL insider, Adam Kaplan, now on SportsGrid and C2C. Uh, Adam, good to have you with us on a pain-free Friday. I want to talk first about last night's game. Uh, you were all over the fact that, uh, you know, Hunt, Chubb, were going to pound the rock. And I just thought uh, that that was the reason they won the game. And obviously, I thought for the first time in a long time, I thought Baker Mayfield looked really sharp. And, and it's a good sign that he hooked up with Beckham so he could put to rest all that talk about trading him and that there's a disconnect between the two of them and they're not throwing to him enough. And But I think they fixed some of their problems Last night, I thought they looked fairly sharp. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, the Bengals were the elixir. That was the perfect team for them to go up against to cure all ills of their offense. But look, the game plan was easy. Geno Atkins, our start offensive tackle out. His backup, Mike Daniels, out. Run the football, come out doing that, and, and get, get it done that way. And when you do run the football and you've got a young quarterback, you, you get them at ease. And I thought Baker Mayfield was accurate. I know talking to the Browns this summer, they want to reduce the playbook. Reduce his reads. Make it easier for him. We've got Chubb. You've got Kareem Hunt, who signed that contract extension. That'll do it. And you're right. OBJ got off early. Scored that touchdown. Getting him involved early was a key. Good to see the Browns execute. And I'll be honest with you. They should have put up 50 over those Bengals, man. They, they left those goal, line, those goal line plays. They should have scored there. Uh, they, had a, they, had a, they just had some plays they probably would like to have back. But yeah, anytime you score 35 points, you're going to be happy. But look, when they play the better teams on their schedule, like your Steelers, like the Ravens, then they're going to really have to play better defense and they're going to have to execute even better because you're not going to get a lot of chances against those teams. I thought their uh, pass rush was decent. They roughed up Burrow a little bit. Obviously, I think that the Bengals have problems. I said this earlier on the show, up front, and they have problems defensively. And I know they had a lot of injuries but you cannot deny the look in that kid Burrow's eye. Uh, he's got it. I mean, this guy just keeps coming, and he throws the ball, I think, uh, you know, crisp. I mean, he rips it, and uh, I think he makes great passes. And with guys like Green and Boyd, I think they have an exciting future with this guy if he can uh, stay standing up because, I mean, he took some nasty shots. He's got to be smarter about thinking he's going to get away from guys like Richardson who roughed him up. Yeah, my only issue is this, 61 pass attempt. But you, 
if you look at his average per pass attempt, really, really low because their offensive line couldn't protect. They've got one good tackle, left tackle Jonah Williams. I talked to a team today that plays the Bengals over the next four weeks. This team told me, in terms of advanced work, it's the worst offensive line they've seen in the last four years on tape. So when you've got Joe Burrow, you knew you were going to take him with the first pick overall. What did you do to help your, 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 your quarterback, your franchise quarterback? They didn't do anything. Jonah Williams missed all last season. It was their first-round pick. They really like him. He's a good football player. Bobby Hart's back. He's a below-average tackle, a right tackle. They're very bad in the interior. Joe Mixon couldn't get out of his own way. You know what they ought to do? Let Burrow play under center a little bit. Help your running back, Mixon, who you just extended. Extend their, his contract. Uh, they've not really helped Burrow, quite frankly. Yeah, you're right. They're great at receiver. They're, they're super deep. Auden Tate was inactive. He was healthy and active because they're deep at wide receiver. But their offensive line is an absolute embarrassment. They've, they've got to address it, and they've got to address it quick. So uh, I got to ask you, uh, you know, their run defense, the Bengals, uh, I guess in the last uh, two games, uh, they've just been getting chewed and spit out. I mean, you, we talked about what Chubb and Hunt did last night. They could not stop the run at all. It, that is the job, I think, now of that franchise to figure out their problems on that side of the ball and in the trenches. I agree. Other than their offensive line, they must address the defense. Geno Atkins, as I said, didn't play with his injury. He missed both games. That's That's been killer. Defensive end, they need they need to get deeper there. They need playmakers in the secondary. Sean Williams, their starting strong safety, didn't play. He's missed both games. Trey Waynes, the high-priced corner, come over from the Vikings. He's on injury reserve. They just don't have enough talent right now that's available, and they're going to get smoked. They, they'll win a couple games this season, but they're right up there with the Jaguars. Yeah, they won week one. Yeah, the Washington team won week one. They're all they're all bottom feeders. They, Yeah, anyone could win week one, but over the totality of the season, these teams are probably not going to be very good. But I'll tell you what, Washington with that defensive front, the Jaguars, we could say all we want about their, how they're not very good, but they've got a quarterback in Gardner, Gardner Minshew who was terrific last week. And you look at the young talent that they've drafted. Dave Caldwell, their GM's done a good job. I'll say this, over the last two seasons, they've amassed a lot of draft picks and a lot, a lot of young players. But when you look at the Bengals, where's the help on defense? You're absolutely right. They lost their tight end, Azoma, last night, too, yeah. for the year. It looks like he tore his Achilles. He did. He went on the IR today. That's a shame. And Drew Sample, their second-round pick last year, he now takes over the starting job. You saw right after Azuma left the game, Sample picked up. They had, they had about 16 pass targets at tight end last night. So he will take over the starting job at tight end. Yeah, so uh, there you go. At least the game uh, was, you know, fairly decent. We knew it. You get two bad teams together. That. It's generally a really good yeah, game. You're right. Uh, let's yeah. talk about uh, Bill O'Brien on the uh, matchup with Watson and Lamar Jackson. Uh, you know, they both uh, have been – both teams have been talking about these two quarterbacks. What do you think of this matchup? Love it. It's it, – it, it's, you're talking about – look at some of the best young QBs in the league and – the one thing I want to say about Watson, which we talked about, and I want to bring this up again, he's got to get rid of the football. He and Carson Wentz were the two quarterbacks last week that just would not get rid of it. Hold, hold, hold. Try to make a play. Get rid of the football. You've got David Johnson, their starting running back for the Texans, who can catch the football. That's what he's known for. Get him the football. They're pretty good at tight end. I know they don't have DeAndre Hopkins. That is going to be an ongoing issue. We talked about this last week. I want to bring up again. When you watch this game Sunday, it's going to be a problem. They don't have a go-to guy at wide receiver anymore. Uh, Brandon Cooks is not that guy. He's a good player, but he's not a guy that dominates pass targets. That's going to be a problem. Talk of the Ravens this offseason, the one thing they wanted to do, though they didn't have an offseason, 
or preseason, they wanted to expand the passing game. You saw it with Marquise Hollywood Brown in week one, had over 100 yards in the first half. Then they took the air out of the ball because they didn't need to throw the ball anymore. They destroyed the Browns. So, look, the Ravens, they could take that hard hat anywhere. They could win on the road. It doesn't really matter. They play the same way. The only way you beat the Ravens, Pharrell, is you get a lead early. That's the only chance that you have. If they get a lead early, 10 nothing or more, it's over. I can't believe that he can't, uh, you know, spread it out with, uh, you know, Fuller and Stills and Cooks and, and make that work. Yeah, but, Scotty, the, the problem is they're not guys who command the football, that you're going to get the ball like 10, 12 times a game like Hopkins did. They're all, they could all run. Speed is not the issue, but they don't have anyone who could dominate. That is the problem. He clearly doesn't trust them enough because they're not getting the ball enough. It's only one game, and he's got to find somebody. It could be Cooks, but you know Cooks is now on his fifth NFL team. There's a reason why this keeps happening. Uh, Will Fuller had a great game, week one, but, yeah, he could run, but he's not a guy that dominates physically. They just – I don't think they have it. I, I, I'm, I'm sticking with my Titans. I picked them last year to win division. They didn't win it, but they got to the championship game. I'm going to pick them again, and I just think they're the better team in the AFC South. So let's talk about Julio Jones. What kind of coverage? He wants to see man coverage against the Cowboys. Is he going to have that luck? Yeah, I'll tell you what. Julio, by the way, with the hamstring is fine. As I told you yesterday, they were not concerned about it. Here's the thing with the Cowboys. They will mix coverages up because um, they've changed their defensive front uh, pretty much significantly here. Uh, so when when you look at it, I, I'll tell you what, I think they double Julio Jones, uh, quite frankly, because they're going to have to. And that's the difference between the defense that they're running last year with Chris Richard, and now now they've changed it up here. They run a 34-43. They change up their fronts, but they're not really good at corner, the Cowboys are. This should be a high-scoring game, by the way. You saw what happened in Atlanta. And, yeah, the Cowboys are going to have a crowd there. They're going to have, you know, maybe fifteen to 20,000. We'll see how loud that is. You and I were talking about that yesterday, how big that stadium is, Jerry World. But the fact of the matter is, you have Julio, but then there's Calvin Ridley. And Todd Gurley, who actually did okay last week. I was kind of surprised. He actually looked decent. And when you look at Atlanta, Hayden Hurst, they need to get him going. That was the guy that they traded for. I know they're super excited about a tight end. This could be a shootout on Sunday. I look forward to this game. Yeah, you know, I got to tell you, uh, with the pressure that they've already put on McCarthy after one game, which is ridiculous, and um, then but that's uh, this offense, they need to get unglued and win this game. That's all there is to it. I think Dallas has to come out, take charge of this game. I do not like Atlanta's defense at all. I thought they looked porous last week. we got a lot more NFL to talk about with Adam Kaplan coming up on Coast to Coast, so don't go anywhere. Sports Rage with Gabe Marenzi. That's the culture of the NBA. NBA media, NBA fans, they'll hype you up fast. You hit a couple of threes and you're a stud, but man, they'll come at you hard after when you fail. The Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. 
I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. All right, great job, Cam Stewart in Toronto. Don't forget, Game Time Decisions, top of the hour coming up. We're talking to Adam Kaplan, our NFL insider on SportsGrid and on Pharrell, coast to coast. Adam, what do you think of this news about uh, George Kittle this afternoon? Yeah, so he's got a spray knee, Pharrell. They were going to give him till Friday, as I told you yesterday. They were not going to rule him out. Most players, I was told, would not play with the type of injury he has, but they wanted to give him a chance. He's actually played before without practicing, but... The knee is not, it's just not there. I'm told he has some pain in it, so he will not play this week. It's going to be Ross Dwelly and Jordan Reed, the former Redskin tight end. Jordan Reed, who's had concussion problems in his career, but he is healthy now. They will suit up and play at tight end on Sunday at the Jets. And also, Richard Sherman, don't forget a cornerback. He is on injury reserve, so that is a problem when they take the Jets on. And Rashad Perman, he is healthy. He is the receiver for the Jets on a one-year deal. He's the only NFL receiver to play every single snap last week. So Frank Gore is going to go for the Jets, but uh, you can't still think that the Niners can't go into New York and take care of their business even without Kittle. Uh, This is just – the Jets look so awful to me. Do you think that they can beat the Niners? No, I'm going to pick the Niners here, but but I'm giving the Jets a fighting chance. If they could protect – They've got a chance because Perriman is a flat-out star in the making. Chris Hernan, who they who they told me had a great camp, those are the two guys have to dominate. Frank Gore, look, he he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but you're not going to get anything out of the run game. You're going to have to throw to win. They have no choice. They have to throw to win. Without Sherman there, that's a different story. They are not good at outside corner uh, for the 49ers there. To me, I give the Jets a chance, but I would agree with you. The Niners clearly the better team. They'll win, but it could be tight. Well, I mean, Adrian Peterson, I thought, looked fantastic for the Lions. I think Gore could surprise some people on Sunday. It's the rest of the team that I think is terrible uh, that I have a problem. I got no problem with Frank Gore. I'll bet he busts off a couple runs. Uh, Let me ask you this question. The Lions, uh, while we're talking about AP for a second, they got Galladay out. I don't like their chances at Lambeau. uh, After what I saw Aaron Rodgers do to the Vikings on the road, can you imagine what he's going to do to them at Lambeau? You know, it's interesting, Pharrell. The Packers came out throwing. Everyone made a big deal about A.J. Dillon being their second-round pick when they when they have the great Aaron Jones at running back. But I love their game plan at Minnesota. They attacked those young corners. Uh, they went right after Hughes and Dantzler last week. They absolutely destroyed them. The Vikings never had a chance. And if they come out throwing against a depleted secondary for the Lions, remember, man, they are really beat up. Their, their slot corner, Justin Coleman, was put on injured reserve. They weren't good at outside corner to begin with. Remember, they, they traded away Darius Slay to Philly. So, yeah, the, the, the Packers should absolutely blow out the Lions. I, I, I'd i be very surprised if it's close. Look, it's the NFL. Anything could happen, as we know. But the Lions, who I thought would be a better football team, uh, they blew that game last week. They clearly outplayed the Bears. They choked in that game. Matt Patricia, since he's been the head coach, for some reason they lose a lot of close games. It's hard to understand, but they've not gotten over the hump in that area. 
So, Adam, I've been to a lot of games in Pittsburgh and seen the Broncos do well in the Steel City, whether it was at the Ashtray, uh, Three Rivers, or at Heinz Field. They have done amazing things in the Steel City. Fangio has talked about it's a dangerous way to make a living blitzing uh, Roethlisberger. We saw how he looked uh, against the Giants. How do you think Denver will do against this Pittsburgh defense and against Roethlisberger on Sunday in Pittsburgh? All right, let's start with the Broncos. Here's the problem. They're very, very weak, I'm told, it in the secondary, particularly corner. They're really good at safety, but really weak at corner. Ben was terrific. He After he got over those jitters you and I talked about last week, which he said might happen, it happened. After the first five or six throws, he was phenomenal. He was throwing with tremendous velocity on that surgically repaired elbow. He was great. That's not, That was not a problem at all. Now, here's the issue, though. The only reason I think the Broncos might be able to hang in there just a little bit because they have a pretty good defensive front. The Steelers are down three offensive linemen. Wisniewski, one of their starting guards, put on IR. David DeCastro is not playing this week with his knee injury. And the right tackle, Zach Banner, is put on IR with an ACL injury. So that is the one little bit of an issue that I have now with the Steelers is their offensive line. Uh, they have nowhere to go here at tackle. They, they, they're down to uh, Okafor, who's a deep backup, who will play right tackle. So James Conner, by the way, he's going to play. Uh, with his ankle injury, he practiced fully. He's gonna, he's actually gonna start. He took all the reps. I'm told on Friday as a starter, so he'll play. But I'll tell you what: if the Steelers can't protect, they will destroy that that Broncos secondary. Oh, one other note: KJ Hamler, their second round pick out of Penn State, who had a pretty bad hamstring strain. He's playing. He will play. He will suit up, and that's big. But they don't know about Cortland Sutton yet with an AC sprain. He did practice again today, but he's he didn't practice fully. So right now he's questionable to play on Sunday at the Steelers. Always uh, incredible insight and updated skinny from uh, Adam Kaplan on injuries and all the pieces you need as betters to get ready for NFL Sunday pain day. Chiefs have some serious problems on the defensive side of the ball, don't they, Adam? I mean, they got at least three guys out, Ward, Okafor, uh, Saunders. Uh, are they going to uh, have problems in this game against the Chargers because of their uh, you know, defense? Yeah, the one guy is Ward that you worry about. Shaveris Ward, number 35. He broke his hand. He's one of their top three corners. But other than that, Saunders is a backup. Um, Okafor is basically in a rotation defensive end. He's one of their four. It's not a big deal. The, the problem, though, with the Chargers is they just don't throw it very well. Mike Pouncey, their starting center, put on IR this week. I, I, don't, I, I don't see the Chiefs having any problem. I know the game's in L.A. at, at the new stadium. It's SoFi there, but... The bottom line is they're not going to be fans there. You don't have to worry about it. To me, I, I think the Chiefs will not have a problem. By the way, they're a pretty good road team. That's they're one of the teams that travel really well. I think they'll smoke the Chargers. I think the, the problem with the Chargers is they just don't score very much. They don't have that ability. Remember, they've changed their offense. They're going to a, more of a run-based offense anyway. They don't even have a third, fourth, or fifth receiver. Uh, yeah, I, I'd be very surprised if the Chargers were able to have a huge upset. It would be a huge upset this, this week if they won the game. So if they keep playing, you know, that boring and they go out every week and they can't score and and, and it's like Malay City, uh, at what point are they going to let Herbert play? I mean, are they going to just let uh, Tyrod Taylor bring him uh, to mediocrity? Is that their plan? I mean, because that sounds pretty dangerous. They're 1-0, but talking to people who would know, they did not want to rush Herbert. He's a little bit of a different quarterback. You know, he'll run. He's pretty athletic. He's got a great arm. He needed further development. Of, of all the rookie quarterbacks, he was the guy who needed a little bit more time, and they're not going to rush him. But at some point, he's going to play this season. My prediction is earlier, a couple weeks ago, is that he gets six to eight starts this season. 
I'm sticking with that. Yeah, they did win week one. Now, if they're one and four, one and five, the clock is ticking. And, and, and that's when you could start considering a change. But typically, the way coaches tell me, it depends where they're at around Thanksgiving. Because if you've got a first-round pick quarterback, you want to get him to play. The, the days of Aaron Rodgers sitting for three years, those are long over. You rarely don't play your rookie quarterback. The last rookie, I mean, remember Carson Palmer didn't play his rookie season. That turned out to be a good decision. Herbert will play. I'm going to still stick with six to eight games. But listen, if they're winning, you're just not going to pull the quarterback out because you want to play the rookie. It doesn't work that way. So Jack Doyle's out. I was not impressed at all with the Colts, with their uh, performance in Jacksonville at all. And I just think the Vikings are a better football team than the Colts. Uh, how much does that injury affect that offense? I know people are like, oh, Phil Rivers still has it and all the, all the rest. I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, in fact, don't forget their athletic tight end, um, the kid, uh, Trey Burton, who was with me in Chicago. He's out. He's on injury reserve with a calf injury. He had a great training camp. Doyle's beat up. They don't have anything at tight end right now that you, you could look and say. Mo Cox has been there, but he's just a, he's more of a blocking tight end. So that's a problem. Remember, Marlon Mack, their starting running back, on injury reserve, Jonathan Taylor, their second-round pick takes over. So they're down on some key offensive players. Uh, they're not super deep at wide receiver, but watch Paris Campbell. The second-round pick out of Ohio State, who was really beat up. He had four injuries last season. He looked great in week one. He's going to dominate. He's going to get the ball a lot. Michael Pittman, T.Y. Hilton, who's on the last year of his contract, who's 30 years old. Those guys will dominate. The way you're going to beat Minnesota, do not run the football. Throw it against those corners who we mentioned earlier. Dantzler, who's a tall corner, six for three. He doesn't run very well. He's a rib injury, by the way. He's, he might not even play. Uh, Gladney, their, their first-round pick out of TCU. He's a smaller corner. He's probably going to have to play a lot. He didn't play much last week. Uh, this is a tight game. I agree with you that the Vikings are a better team, but that Viking secondary, they flip their corners. They don't have the two starting corners anymore. One of them is playing it with the Colts. So I give the Colts a chance because Jonathan Taylor is a stud running back. They're second rounder of Wisconsin. So I think this is a fairly tight game. I give it slight lean for the Vikings. So uh, how do you think Russell Wilson's going to do against the Patriots in Seattle? Ooh, Ooh I told you last week, you're going to come out throwing. They did. This one is tough. Because the Patriots have probably NFL's best group of corners. I don't know if they're going to be able to throw the ball. Uh, the The Patriots' run defense was bad last season. When I say bad, there were some moments that were really bad. Uh, they, they brought in Bo Allen, a, a sort of journeyman D tackle, but he's on injury reserve. They help their run defense. That's not a good thing. This is a game where I think they're going to have to dominate with their run game. It's going to be hard to throw the football. I don't see Russell Wilson having a big game. It would surprise me if he did. But I look for Chris Carson, who was great last week, by the way, and he's healthy. Look for them to ride him in this game. Uh, the, the key here is, though, how does Cam Newton play in this game? In that environment in Seattle, I look forward to seeing how this happens. It, it's going to be a fun ball game. I'll tell you what, this is the game of the week. I don't think there's any question about it on Sunday night. So let me ask you lastly, respectfully, I have one minute. Uh, the Saints, the hard bubble in Vegas, they're not going to let them even leave their rooms or something. What's the plan for the Saints going to Vegas? <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing now. What, what teams do, Pharrell, is they block off a room. This is, Or sometimes they block off, block off a room. They block off two floors or one floor. So keep an eye on that. The Saints know how to travel. They travel really well. One thing I do want to mention in this game, Henry Ruggs, I know people are going crazy because he hasn't practiced for two days. I'm told they still, the Raiders still think he's going to be able to play. He got kneed with a helmet on the side of his knee. That's why right. he's a little bit sore. But I'm told he should work a little bit tomorrow. But they're still pretty optimistic that he'll play. That's a big game, and Michael, Michael Thomas has not practiced yet with that ankle sprain. If he doesn't play, that offense is going to change a little bit.
Yeah, I've heard there's some uh, late, last-minute high hopes that he's going to be able to go. I don't know how effective he could be. Adam, fantastic week again with us on uh, Sports Grid and Coast to Coast. Always love all the news you bring us and your uh, game prep, second to none. Thanks for coming on Coast to Coast. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, back on uh, Coast to Coast. Carver High, why don't we take a look at what's going on at Wingfoot right now? Yes, let's do that, Scotty. U.S. Open round two going on today. And, uh, you know, we had some fun yesterday saying how the course hasn't really shown up yet. We've got a lot of guys shooting under par. Well, you can throw all that stuff out the window today. The course, Scotty, is (laughs) back. Wingfoot, they took care of business big time. Uh, But there are a few guys, Scotty, who are actually getting it done. How about our boy Bryson DeChambeau? He is the leader right now. At minus three, he was hitting some bombs today, Scotty. He had an eagle on nine. It was unbelievable. Uh, He's the one guy, the big hitter, who's been getting it done here the last two days. Yeah, I can't believe it, uh, frankly, because I I think guys that just unleash like he does, and on every single drive, he'll bring out that big stick or the three, and he'll just try to batter ram it as hard as he can, as far as he can, with no mercy, uh, in a course like this, where if you get outside that fairway into that rough, you are in the woods. I'm talking about deep, ankle-high rough that eats your ball alive. And I don't like guys that can't keep it in the fairway. At Wingfoot, it's the kiss of death. I cannot even fathom what he's been able to do. He had an unbelievable round. This is 68 today. Been sitting there. He was 200 for the day. Sitting at 300 uh, with the lead, tied with uh, Reed. Uh, and it's funny because a lot of guys, let's face it, don't like either one of them on tour. Uh, they just don't like them. They don't like uh, how he golfs. They don't like how he eats. And they definitely don't like Patrick Reed. But you're going to be hearing about Patrick Reed on Saturday and Sunday. I can guarantee you that. So you better get used to it. Yeah, they're both in the lead right now. Cabrera Bella right behind him. English, uh, an update for Tiger, Scotty. He went. Uh, he's at plus 10. He's going to miss the cut. Uh, the cut right now, they're saying, is going to be about plus 6. Bad day for Tiger. He shot plus 7. He will not be playing this Saturday and Sunday. All right, so I think we have uh, Dr. Chow from uh, ProFootballDoc.com and, of course, uh, at Pro Football Doc on Twitter, our man, Dr. Chow. How you doing, Dr. Chow? How's everything? How's the surgery? What were you yanking out today? Uh, patella? Were you, getting a, <laughs> were you getting a meniscus? Were you doing another Achilles tear? What did you have going on today in the uh, OR, son? <laughs> the shoulder rotator, shoulder rotator cuff. Everything went fine. It just, you know, the scheduling. So I'm sorry I uh, threw you guys a curveball here, but thanks for rescheduling it. We like off-speed pitches, Dr. Chow. Not a problem. We go long on those as well. Uh, we're just glad we got you on the show. Let, let me ask you first about uh, last night. Uh, Azoma leaves with the uh, torn Achilles. They feared it, and then they got their bad news today. He's done for the year. 
why is there any explanation why in and i hate to ask this broad question but in sports it is so amazing to me how these great athletes uh in the prime of their lives and and their youth uh and i just don't understand that we it's just constant these achilles tears in the nba in the nfl you don't see it really in hockey why are we seeing this so much? Is it leverage? Is it weight? Is it torque? What is it? And it's a devastating injury because it takes a year to heal. Yeah, and, and surgery too. And, and it was very clear on video that that's what it was. I, we even tweeted it at Pro Football Doc. But here's why, if it can explain it. CJ Uzma's Achilles, Marlon Mack's Achilles, Brandon Brooks, the Pro Bowl multi-million dollar right guard of the Eagles, both Achilles. Their Achilles tendons, they're way bigger and stronger than I am and probably you, Scott. No, no, no offense there. Just barely. But all of our Achilles <laughs> are about the same girth, okay? So if you have a – as athletes get bigger, faster, stronger, your Achilles or your ACL doesn't get any bigger or stronger or wider. So if you are – towing more force with the same rope, what potentially happens? So believe it or not, there's two ways you tear your Achilles. The typical 50-year-old guy who's playing rec soccer because the Achilles tendon is weak and he tears it. And then these 20-year-olds who tear it because the tendon is strong, but the muscle is so strong, and because of lack of acclimation in preseason and what have you, the muscle contracts so fast that the tendon doesn't have a chance to react. So these 20-year-old, 25-year-old Achilles tears are different than the kinds that you and I might get where there's some weakness. And that's why it happens, if that makes any sense. And so what do you do when you repair them in the OR? How do you fix that and let them get back to normal, like Kobe Bryant, what he went through? Well, you know, the, the surgery for this injury is actually fairly simple. You're literally putting, when it tears, it's not a clean cut. It's like two ends of a horse's tail, and it's a way right. of weaving it together and allowing it to heal. And then the rehab is the hardest part there. It's not the surgery. The surgery is actually pretty easy to do. Do you, uh, when you put it back together and weave it back together, is there any kind of a sock that is involved in, in, in keeping it in place permanently, or can they tear it again? Well, I usually use the natural sock. I'm very careful to dissect down the peritinon and repair it over the top to have less scar tissue and what have you. But believe it or not, once it's torn and it's fixed, you have a much higher chance of tearing the other side than the same side. See Brandon Brooks, like we talked about. See Terrell Suggs. Uh, who had both sides torn. And there are a couple other examples as well. So uh, strangely enough, and not to compare it to animals, but my dog, I have this giant retriever. He's 120 pounds. He blew out one knee and then uh, had the surgery and they put in the steel knee. And then it's like a bar. And then uh, the doctor said, he's a, a surgeon. He said, typically what happens is they blow out the other one uh, more than 60% of the time. Sure enough, the dog blew out the other knee. Uh, do you see that in sports where you see a guy like Zach Banner of the Steelers blows out his knee, he's done, has the surgery, 
And then what happens to his life when he PTs, comes back from it, and does he have potential to blow out the other knee? He does statistically because there are, are genetic factors in there. He does statistically because, you know, he's an elite athlete. But where he doesn't is for a right tackle, that outside right knee is way more vulnerable the way you have to step out, whereas the left knee is usually the base. And so for that reason, he's not as vulnerable. Scott, I'm just gr- glad that, you know, from last week, you had pretty much everything. So at least you haven't had an Achilles. So that's good. Yeah, I I do a lot of praying, Doc, to the uh, man upstairs. I say, give me my ankles and my knees and Achilles, and we're good with everything else, and forgive me for my many sins. Let me ask you this question. If a guy like Michael Thomas has a high ankle sprain, and all week long they're worried about him, and then suddenly on Friday he's very optimistic and feeling fantastic and willing to go, I think it's a bad idea to send him out on the football field in Vegas on Monday night with that ankle because of further damage that could happen. Uh, do you think he should be playing on that high ankle? And describe to people what the actual – it's ligaments that are actually stretched and torn in a high ankle. It's not like having an ankle sprain. Well, if his high ankle sprain is a high grade where he's unstable, there's no way he should, and there's also no way that he would be able to play. If it's a milder love sprain, which is what I think it was, then playing through it should not do him any long-term damage. But of course, you could re-injure it and aggravate it and prolong the recovery. <clears throat> Excuse me. I said all along from the day it happened, I thought it was mild. So when all this stuff came out of multiple weeks, I wasn't necessarily buying it. As a matter of fact, this morning I was quoted as saying, now, obviously now we know Kittle is out for sure. I said... Uh, Everyone was more negative on Thomas than Kittle. I said, Michael Thomas has a much higher chance of playing, this is, was this morning, than George Kittle. George Kittle's been ruled out. I mean, John Lynch was telling you Kittle's not going to play by his explanation of long season, got to be careful, we'll do the right thing. With a bone bruise, that is dangerous to try and play through. With a high ankle, it can be more of a pain tolerance thing. Hey, Doc, uh, Dr. Chow from Pro Football Doc, uh, I got to ask you, uh, with J.J. Uh, Watt and his accumulation of injuries, now he's a weekend, he's got a hip bothering him. Do you think that he's breaking down with all the accumulation of massive injuries that he's had over the last several years? Because, I mean, this guy can't stay healthy for a week. Well, you know, he's in the trenches, so you uh, get a lot of things in the trenches. Is he breaking down? I mean, look, I would argue that it's amazing that he's lasted as long as he has, the way, how hard he plays, how he's double teamed, and he's getting hit on all sides. So I don't know that he's breaking down. But then again, you know, over time, uh, as they say, uh, father time is undefeated as well. So talk about uh, Mike Pouncey, Chargers. He's done with a hip, and they're going to operate on his hip. What happened there? Well, we don't have a lot of details. What happened there is there must be something in the L.A. water for the Chargers. If you look at their their starts to seasons, they have started each of the last three seasons as they've been in L.A. with a major injury on offense and defense. Every single year, they start with it. This year, it was Derwin James with the meniscus repair, their key safety on defense. Mike Pouncey, really the big veteran and and captain of the offensive line now. Last year, it was Derwin James with that foot refracture. 
and it was left tackle Russell Okung, the anchor there for them, and Philip Rivers' blindside. The year before that, it was Denzel Perriman, their key middle linebacker with an ankle issue, and it was Hunter Henry coming off an offseason ACL. They've had no injury luck whatsoever. Do you think the advancements have been made in the right direction for concussions? We have guys like Godwin uh, out with a concussion this week, guys constantly missing games with concussions. Do you think they've made uh, the right strides with equipment, helmets, and taking the brain injury seriously enough? You know, I think they've done what they can, and they're doing what they can, and they're continuing to do what they can. I find it very interesting that I we almost don't hear about concussions like we have in the past year, two, or five, because the medical topic of the season is COVID, right? That's the buzzword. And so we don't hear CTE that much. But that's why I said when Godwin came out with late symptoms of concussions, we wrote the article at OutKick and at ProFootballDoc.com, said, book it. Chris Godwin will not play week two this Sunday. The question is not this Sunday. The question is, will he make it back for next Sunday, week three? Because when you have late onset concussions, sometimes, thankfully it doesn't look like it right now, often it lingers. So no surprise that he's ruled out. There was no way that he was going to play. Respectfully, 45 seconds, Doc. Uh, how do you think the COVID is going to uh, affect college football and pro football? Are you worried about it? I'm much more worried about college football because of the campuses. Pro football has a good plan because of the testing, but also it is a non-football injury, and you don't get paid if you test positive for COVID and the team can prove you're out and about. All I can say is, when I went to college, if someone said social distance and don't do X, Y, and Z, I'm not sure at the age of 20 I would have listened, right? I'm just being honest <laughs> about that. My worry is the campuses, not within the football college programs. Where, where'd you go to college, Doc? Uh, a school on the East Coast uh, uh, in uh, Boston or, or Cambridge. Oh, yeah, one of those fancy schools. All right, well, listen. Let me let me kill it this way. The school that produced Kyle Juszczyk, toughest guy in the league, who is going to lead the way to a big run game for the 49ers over the Jets this week, and the quarterback <laughs> of the Dolphins who will come back this week and redeem himself. All right, I love you, Doc. Have a good weekend. ProFootballDoc.com. Check him out. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, so Rams wide receiver Robert Woods gets four years, $32 million. Guaranteed. All right. Uh, always important to get through the crazy blotters uh, uh, segment. Best college football tailgate traditions. I saw this list. It was terrible. The only one I'll give them credit for is the Grove uh, is certainly uh, down in Oxford. That is a strong effort there of alcoholism and debauchery and nudity. And then I will say that uh, nothing at all on the face of the earth compares to a Saturday in the fall when the leaves have fallen and the bratwurst is cooking and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish Band is marching through campus in South Bend. Even though the co-eds are ugly at Notre Dame, 
Uh, it doesn't matter. The best tailgates in the world are in South Bend, Indiana. There is nothing that compares to it. And I'll give Ann Arbor a nice uh, piece of the pie, too. Carver Hyde, you have a comment there? I was supposed to be there this weekend. This was the weekend that uh, I was supposed to go for my 40th birthday for the first time uh, ever to Notre Dame to experience all everything that you just said. And now uh, maybe next year. I mean, there is nothing like it with that band when they come marching through that campus, and it's like it'll give you goosebumps. Real quick, Browns fans last night got in fist fights at their own game uh, with their own fans. Fans rooting for the same team, fighting amongst themselves. Nice job, idiots. Trump accused of shoving his tongue down an ex-model's throat, allegedly, at the 97 U.S. Open, and they interviewed that chick on TV yesterday and today. Unbelievable. Uh, a man attacks customers at a California tea shop with a blowtorch and a hatchet. Now that is impressive. Nice effort there by that fella. And then men convicted of rape will be castrated in Nigeria under a new law. That is not the outcome you're looking for. When you wake up in the morning and decide you're going to go on a rampage, you might have to think twice now when they cut off your onions. Think about that before you have dinner tonight. Have a great weekend. Enjoy all of the games. Laker game tonight with the Nuggets. College football Saturday. Pro football game day Sunday. Go to ForAllOnTheBench.com. I'll see you on For All on the Bench tonight on the radio. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.